The following program, The Kitchen Table Progressives, is sponsored by The Kitchen Table Progressives and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of News Web Radio Company or its management. Welcome to Kitchen Table Progressive. Paul Richardson here, along, uh, well, with myself this week, but inviting you to join us around the table for an hour of casual conversation on law, civics, and politics, driving the current issues, and where the menu is progressive and the table manos are unapologetically liberal. (laughs) On the program this week, well, Trump uh, had some... Uh, not a good week in court, I wouldn't say. Uh, he went, I wanted to testify or give closing arguments in the, uh, the business fraud case. And the judge said, no, if you want to talk, you can reopen uh, evidence. But, uh, but then Trump barged in anyway, and uh, the judge had to shut him down. Uh, he just, uh, Trump's going to do what he's going to do. He's just going to try to make a scene. Knowing that uh, you know nobody's going to do anything about it, really, he thinks he'll he'll somehow get some political gain out of it. This guy's running for his life, and then uh, his uh, immunity pleas in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals were absolutely freaking absurd. I mean, his his attorneys should be embarrassed to go in front of a court like that uh, to uh, to talk to to make arguments. Uh, I'll go just basically go through what what they tried to say, but uh, if. If uh, if Trump is immune from all of this prosecution, what the hell is this 2025 project about where they're going to prosecute everybody and they're going to prosecute the Biden crime family and they're going to put... This is, uh, as I was saying to, uh, uh, you know, Karen and Anita just uh, a few minutes ago before the top of the hour, this is the more lock her up, lock her up. When who needs to be locked up is Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump needs to be in jail. We need him to be in jail. The country needs him to be in jail. The guy is a criminal. He's a punk and he's a criminal. But what he tried to do here, and I want to, I want to get to my main thing. But what he tried to say about the immunity is that uh, Article One, Section Three says that judgment in cases of impeachment, impeachment, shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold. To hold or enjoy uh, honor of office again, or profit of the United States, the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, and judgment and punishment according to law. So what they're saying, so this is about impeachment. This isn't about immunity. This says nothing about immunity. But his, his, his attorney says that, well, unless he were impeached and removed from office, uh, then no, he can't be, he, he's, that's forever. For, forever he's immune. And now, I don't, if the Constitution intended that the president shall enjoy lifetime immunity, it would have expressly said that. It would have expressly, it wouldn't let, you don't dig that out of this, this clause of impeachment, which basically says if you're impeached and removed, you can still be. It says that the impeachment may not extend beyond removal from office and uh, disqualification from continued removal, uh, continued, uh, you can never occupy office again. That's what that says. So he, he barely dodged that. Okay, and we're going to talk about the, the 14th Amendment part. He was impeached twice, once for violating the, um, the uh, uh, congressional 
uh, Budget and Empowerment Act and his withholding of funds from Ukraine for trying to shake down, shake him down to get dirt on Joe Biden. And then the second time was for January 6th. But uh, the, the idea that he's the impeachment clause is talking about that he doesn't uh, impeachment doesn't uh, is not a, is a political. It's a political procedure. It's not a legal procedure. But it says, but this political procedure does not uh, preempt or or and somehow cancel what le- what legal procedures may still be available. Uh, and then his his lawyer said that if if the or maybe it was Trump who said, and if the president resigns before he's impeached, then he can't be he's immune for life too. Well, I would ask them, them why did why did Gerald Ford have to pardon Nixon? Nixon resigned before he was impeached, right? Okay, so Trump is just full of beans. I mean, he is full of beans and the hot air that comes with beans. You know what that means. And as Adam Kingsinner said, he's a smelly old man. And I bet you the reason he's a smelly old man, I bet what he smells like is is, rot, is, is like a rancid meat, like rotting garbage. Because all he does is eat uh, uh, McDonald's. And, and that's what he's, he smells like what he eats. And he probably doesn't take a shower very often. Trump's eligibility. Okay, so the... What I want to get to is Trump's eligibility on the ballot in Colorado. This is the main topic today that I want to talk about. Um, Blank. 14th Amendment. So Colorado, uh, there was a civil case, a civil administrative case in Colorado, administrative law case, and where you probably know about this, that Donald Trump was excluded from the ballot. Uh, Donald Trump was not a party to this case. It was just uh, there was evidence given that uh, and these these cases are all um, civil cases, so evidence uh, the burden of proof is by a preponderance of the evidence, or fifty one percent of the evidence. Uh, once you have fifty one percent of the evidence on your side, then you can win. And and the state of Colorado, or the the party that filed this, the suit, that Donald Trump likely participated in an, engaged in an insurrection, was was found was found right. The the judge in the trial court said. Yes, okay, I, that's probably true, but I don't think I can impose the penalty. And then the Colorado Supreme Court, uh, or, or impose the disability as the Constitution, the word the Constitution is, I can't impose the disability upon candidate Trump. But the Colorado Supreme Court came along and said, yes, you can. Okay? No uh, be a or rep- so the 14th Amendment says, uh, no person shall be a senator, uh, let me read this, no, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector, of president, vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who has previously taken an oath as as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or or an interstate legislature or executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution, thrown or no, shall have engaged in an insurrection. Or rebellion against the same, or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two thirds of each house, remove this disability. This is very important. Okay, so what it says, by the way, it says here that um, officers, and Donald Trump has argued that I'm not an officer. It doesn't apply to the president because I'm not an officer. Well, I want to go down and say the other part of impeachment that the uh, impeachment articles or impeachment language that uh, they didn't use here is in Article 2, Section 4, 
the president, the vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be moved uh, from office for uh, conviction of impeachment, conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. So it says other officers, the president, vice president, and other officers. So it says right there in that impeachment language that, yeah, Donald Trump is an officer. I don't know where they're getting this. He's an officer, and if you say, well, it says the president, vice president, and other officers, well, there's a, a legal term that covers that. It's called uh, nociter associatus, which is it is known by its associates. It's in the same list. Okay, So, yes, Donald Trump uh, is an officer. So the, the state of Colorado uh, went through the civil hearing and removed him. And uh, by a preponderance of the evidence. He was, it was not required. This, the, the Donald Trump or the party does not need to, doesn't require to be a party to the suit because they're not being charged as an individual. The question is just, did this person likely uh, engage in an insurrection? Or in other terms, in regular, uh, just objective terms, uh, maybe the person doesn't, doesn't um, meet the requirements of being, uh, say, 35 years old and 14 years a citizen of the United States. By preponderance of the evidence, you don't need to have the person there. You just have to ascertain that with evidence, a preponderance of the evidence. So what this makes, the, uh, the, the, the state of Colorado has exercised its powers. The Constitution is about power. It's not about rights and liberties. It's about powers. These are political powers. And there are four basic political powers. There's the three branches of the federal government, and then there's the states. There are the states, the several states. Those are the basic political powers. So it's about power. It's not about rights. So what, what's going on here is the Supreme Court, when this case comes up in, in February, next month, ought rightly hear the case, but their ruling should be that they cannot rule because this is a political issue. What that means is there are political powers amongst these four powers that can that have a say before the court does the court should not be settling political issues where the political powers have um, well there are tests there are six tests for political to whether a question is a political issue Constitution is um, uh, so the matter is a political, matter is a political question yeah Okay, uh, back here on Kitchen Table Progressive. Paul Richardson with you here on AM820 WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Hopefully uh, you can hear me now. We've got our, uh, our audio uh, issues uh, worked out. I suppose Devin will let me know if, uh, I don't know what, what, something's cutting out, I guess. But anyway, let me, let, go. can you hear me now? Uh, okay. Okay. All right, let me finish my, the gist of my point here. And I know we've got uh, a caller, we've got Jim on the line, so I'll get to Jim. Just let me finish this point because I, I want to get the uh, I don't want to lose the, the train here um, because there are pow- very different powers, as I said, the fundamental power structures and these are political power structures. The, the political power structures ultimately which are derived from the will of the people, right? Ultimately, we have our Congress, uh, we vote directly the, the Constitution says originally says that we have our most direct power in voting for our representative in Congress. 
We didn't originally be, we were not allowed to vote for our, our senators. But in uh, 1913, the 17th Amendment, then we got to vote for them. The, we vote, the, the electors that our legislatures appoint vote for president, although we still don't have a constitutional right to vote for president. We vote, our states give us the right to vote for president as a popular vote, as a means of that's the manner in which the states choose electors by the popular vote. Uh, the Supreme Court is uh, less directly a political body, but because we vote for president, <laughs> and then we, as we've seen, even the loser president gets to appoint three justices to the court, which is another reason why we really want to keep this Trump out, because he could, have, he could end up appointing, if in, a, in a second term, he could end up appointing two more justices and therefore appoint more than half of the Supreme Court. That's a, that's a disaster that Donald Trump would have that. That would be the end of America. Okay, so the idea that it's a... What is a political question again? A political question that the court, which we consider to be non-justiciable or something the court cannot render a ruling on, is when there are, there are other things for political powers to do. And like I said, the first most important thing is the Constitution outlines a political... Uh, that there are other... That, that assigns the issue to other political powers. And quite clearly, expressly, it says that the 14th Amendment says that the Congress can remove the disability, the one that the state of Colorado has imposed on Donald Trump, uh, by a two-thirds majority. Here's a question. Why haven't they? Have you heard anybody in Congress? I I know the Republicans don't have two-thirds of Congress, but shouldn't they at least be saying we're going to do it? We're going to remove this and then kind of play politics that way and beat the Democrats over the head and say you're just trying to you know play the victim card like they always do. They'll find some way to do that. You haven't heard a peep out of Congress. Not a single person in Congress has talked about doing this. So does that mean just because they don't have the votes they can't do it? No. What this should be telling the court is Congress is also speaking. By not removing the disability, as it's called in the 14th Amendment, Congress is telling the court Maybe we don't want the disability removed, right? Maybe it's not a matter of we don't have enough votes. Maybe it's a matter of the Republicans actually don't want the disability removed. Maybe they think this is the way to get rid of them. You see, you can take that all different ways. But the fact of the matter is, if when the court hears the case next month, the two questions the court should be hearing, uh, should ask is, number one, is the state of Colorado within its powers, within its power to assign this disability and my quest and my my contention is yes they could do the same thing by the same process civil hearing to show that a given candidate for federal office either was you know let's say it was a representative in congress was not 25 years old or uh, was not uh, seven years a citizen of the united states those are the two objective requirements and that be something that could be proved by a preponderance of the evidence uh, or that the candidate could prove by a preponderance of the evidence, one way or the other. It's all the same thing, because the state of Colorado doesn't need a conviction. Donald Trump, this is the, this once-and-for-all conviction that people keep saying, oh, he hasn't been convicted yet, doesn't mean a hoot. It doesn't mean anything. Because even if Jack Smith had already convicted Donald Trump of uh, what he's been charged with in Washington, D.C., in the, in the uh, January 6th case, what a conviction in one jurisdiction doesn't necessarily transfer to another, and the state of Colorado would have to go through the same procedure, 
And the, the conviction alone doesn't mean that all the states could ha- therefore have to take Trump off the ballot. No, they don't. No, they would go through the same procedures. If nobody sued to take him off the ballot, then he could potentially remain on the ballot because he could run from he could potentially run for president from jail. Eugene Debs did in 1912. Eugene Debs, the the uh, social uh, the uh, business, the um, sorry uh, uh, labor leader, he ran from for president from jail in 1912. Matthew Lyon ran for Congress from jail in 1798. He was convicted of the uh, Sedition Act under the the John Adams administration, had a a Sedition Act, and Matthew Lyon was thrown in jail, and he ran for for Congress and won. So just because there was a conviction doesn't mean that the states have to or or don't have to uh, impose this disability. And here's the other thing. The New York Times had a... uh, uh, sorry, had a, uh, an article that said that only Congress can remove the disability. No, wrong. That's not what it says. It's like it's, the 14th Amendment doesn't say only Congress can remove this disability with a two-thirds vote in each house. The 14th Amendment only says that Congress can remove the disability. That doesn't mean that other political powers could not also remove the disability. As I just said, that even if Jack Smith convicted Donald Trump doesn't mean that the states couldn't then say, we're, we're moving the disability. He can still be on the ballot here. What this tells us is if Congress ha- can still act and the state of Colorado has already acted, these are two powers, Congress has not acted, that the court should not preempt it. They should not get in the way. This is a pol- what's called a political question, and the court should stay off of it. It will be right for justi- justiciation when this happens. If Congress were to remove the disability uh, that Colorado has imposed and then and said, no, there's no harm, no foul, Trump did not engage in insurrection, yet the state of Colorado insisted, stood steadfast and said, no, he's not going to be on the ballot here, that would be ripe for justiciation because uh, there would be a constitutional impasse and then the court could make a decision. And in that case... Where Colorado has won't remove the disability, but Congress has, I would say, uh, objectively, that uh, the 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 federal law would trump the state law, trump the state law, and the disability would be removed, and uh, the Colorado would have to put Trump back on the ballot because the the federal law under the Article Six, that's the supremacy clause, federal law trumps state law under that case. So if that's if that's not clear as mud. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so let's get to your calls and let's see. Uh, I think Jim is up first. Jim, thanks for calling. Hi, hi, Paul. We have an expression in Chicago: when the hawk is out, it's freezing, and it's freezing here. And I'm very happy to see Jerry Jones go. And I'm very happy to see Jerry Jones go home. The Packers murdered the Cowboys. Yes, uh, they did. But what, what I was going to say is, I I was just rereading a. Uh, the 32 election. Now, mm-hmm. in that election, polls were that was the first time they came into poll, or the first time they started to rely on polls. Uh-huh. And Grover's polling was all over the place. He was heading Boston. He was behind here, up here, down there. And Roosevelt uh, was getting more confident as it went along. Now, the regular television programs today, you know, they're going to get their polls to death. Will be polled to death by the time. Uh, it comes up. 
And Joan had Joan has had an interesting guest. He said he felt that Biden was at the fore with plenty of move plenty of movement up and Trump was at the ceiling and anywhere he could go is down. I don't know. What do, what do you think about all this nonsense? The po- about the polls? Yeah, about the polls. the polls. But yeah. yeah, go ahead. I, I think the polls are absolute nonsense. I think they're um, – remember back, uh, I think it was in 1928 uh, when they started taking polls, like you said, but they only called people that had telephones, which was hardly – only the rich. Right? Right. So, I mean, that's a, that's a skewed poll. And now it's the – it's the opposite way. It's the opposite uh, because uh, you're not calling the radio. people. Just don't answer the phone. Most people have a cell phone, and I don't answer if I don't. If it's not my contact list, like if I did, if my phone doesn't start ringing, go. It's Jim from Chicago. I'm not going to answer. I don't want to talk to some scammer, right? If right. You go if, to you recognize, if you don't recognize, if you recognize the, the number, the, you know where it's coming from. Yeah, you, why bother? What's the point? Right. But and so here's what's but, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening, Jim, is that the the, the the polls from 2020 and 2022, especially 2022, the gaslighting that we got. And by the way, the the, the word of the year in 2022, the Webster Dictionary word of the year was gaslight. Uh, we were told all of the it was going to be a red wave. And, I mean, you look at a place like, and if you follow state politics like I do, and, and, and mostly I'm familiar with Michigan, too, is that they were saying that Gretchen Whitmer was tied with Tudor Dixon. It was a statistical tie. And Gretchen Whitmer murdered <laughs> Tudor Dixon. And the others were even worse. This uh, the, the woman that, they was, that eventually became the state uh, party, that Caramo, uh, who just got uh, kicked out, um, she lost... How do you get to be the state chairman of the GOP? You lose by like uh, 17 points, you know. That's the way you get in is to become a big loser and then you get mad and still tell everybody you're going to get revenge. But the polls, the problem is, Jim, is, and I know this because I do phone banking for the Democrats where I live. And if I go in at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning and do a three or four hour shift, I'm lucky if I get five people to answer the phone. Uh, I'm I'm dialing for four hours. And that's why we finally decided that this is not worth doing. It's a waste of time. It's better to actually show up at their house, you know, canvas the door-to-door canvassing than, than waste your time on the phone. That's what we decided. So you know that, you, you know that the, polls, the, polling, uh, the polling outfits, the polling centers, they're having the same problem, right? So how many people do you think, and if you look at the margin of error, what you have, uh, what you have to do, to accomplish a, a, even a four and a half percent margin of error, they're call, they're not even calling five hundred people. They're not even calling three. They're calling about three hundred people. And how many poll poll workers do you think they got to do to get to do that? And how much do you think they're going to pay them? They're not going to pay that much for these polls. These and these. So these polls, when you have a four and a half percent margin of error, yeah, that's from the center out. But you know that's slideable. That really, that you look at the span of a four and a half percent margin of error. That's nine points. The span from negative four to positive four is nine. I know. So you see what but I mean? What you, yeah, but you mentioned Michigan, and what's really galling was McDaniel, I think her name is Lindy. She's the head of the GOP. She's running the operation. She's on the phone with Trump trying yep. to reverse the trying to reverse the election results in Michigan. Now, if you can imagine the, the head of the Democratic Party trying to do that in an in a election, we'd be run out of town on a rail. But, I, I mean, the nerve right. of these people, are, they're astounding, the nerve they have, you know. Well, and not only that, Jim, the um, 
the guy who was running for attorney general, Matt DiPerno, he was involved. He's been indicted. He's been involved in, in uh, he went with a, a, a county sheriff. They went to someplace up in, I don't know what county. I don't know the counties there. I used to live in Michigan, but I don't know the counties. Um, they went to the to the county uh, polling place and uh, absconded with the, uh, the, poll, with the uh, election machine. And they took the, they took the hard drives. They took the hard drives to a motel room and tried to open them up. And they were, I mean, these guys. I mean, it was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that case, but I hope that guy gets gets slammed. I mean, he really, he's running for attorney general. He said he was going to arrest the uh, former attorney. Same thing as Trump. I'm going to arrest the former attorney general and uh, put her in jail. And then he's the one who actually steals a voting machine. And they brought the county sheriff to the election um to the polling place so that they would have credibility like law enforcement. And I think the sheriff's under indictment too. Uh, <laughs> but Paul, Paul, you're talking about the, you know, real quick. Is there logic in the law? Is the law like separate from logic? I mean, in other words, can the law go in any direction where logic, let's say reality and logic uh, dictate something different? But the law will go uh, in a different direction. Yo, you hit on a really, i tell you what, you hit on uh, one of my pet peeve points, which is the Constitution reflect um, some intuitive, so it, I mean, it, you can't have, the law is an ass if it doesn't make any sense. So right. the, the law cannot be an ass. So in other words, the Constitution must be intuitively sensible to most people and What's happening with this Supreme Court and what's happening with law in general uh, is that is that it doesn't make sense to people anymore, and that's exactly. the, the court. Exactly. The court has yeah the rulings have been nonsensical, uh, and like I said, the the Supreme Court they have a way out here in this Colorado case. They can show that they are neutral. They don't they don't have to touch it. They should take the case because there are, there are multiple uh, instances of this of Trump being wanting to be kicked off the ballot. And Maine is another one. Uh, but they need to take the case, and then what they need to say is, this is a political question. There, The other bodies of power must act before we can actually make a ruling. And that will should give the other bodies a kick in the butt to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. You're right. The law well, I, is an ass, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, Paul, thanks you, Kennedy. I know you got some close. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. That's... Uh, so, there are some other criteria here um, uh, about whether we have what's called a political question. And the second one is, if there's a lack of discovery of manageable standards of resolving the matter. So, if there aren't any benchmarks to go by to resolve the matter, that could be a political question. Uh, or that could be considered why the issue is a political question. Um, the matter could not be decided without an initial if, policy determination. If the matter cannot be decided without an initial policy determination, well, this is, uh, this is um, I think this applies to Colorado, right? It does. What was the initial policy determination? The state of Colorado determined that Donald Trump is ineligible because of the 14th Amendment. Okay, so they made a policy determination. If they hadn't done that, then the court could not make a ruling just on is Donald Trump guilty of insurrection? No, the Trump the, the court couldn't just say that yes or no. In other words, it's not a pure constitutional decision. Somebody first had to act upon it, 
and the state of Colorado did. They exercised their power. That's that's a that, okay. That's another one. Um, if the court had to undertake an independent, if the court had to undertake an inter, an independent resolution without um, coordinate branches of government. Without consulting coordinate branches of government. But let me read that again. Court had to take, undertake an independent resolution without respecting coordinate branches of government. If the court made a ruling that wasn't consistent with other coordinate branches of government the, uh, the, without respecting their powers. And that's part of what this is. I think there's three issues here. Three parts of the six questions, and I'll get through the other two, that apply to Colorado. Five. If there was a need to adhere to a, if there was a need to adhere to a political decision that was already made, <coughs> well, I don't know about that here. A. Uh, a political made. Six. And the last one is. Six. If there was a potential for embarrassment. If there was a potential. Uh, for embarrassment of multiple pronouncements by various departments, various departments on a single question. And there certainly could be. Obviously there is. Multiple departments means not only the federal government, but the states. Multiple powers, it really should mean, should it say. And, yeah, there could be a different one. Like I said, if, if uh, the Congress removed the disability uh, or didn't remove the disability... Does that mean the states, if the Congress doesn't remove the disability of Trump's impeachment, uh, being guilty of insurrection, let's say he were convicted by um, by Jack Smith, does that mean that all of the states have to remove Trump from the ballot? No, right? That's that 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 doesn't mean that. And likewise. Um, well, the political it would get down to a a, a a justiciable question if Congress did remove the disability, uh, but one of the states, like Colorado, said no, we're not going to, we're not having it on our ballot. Um, that's another one. But as I have pointed out, remember, I'm talking about this in terms of federal office in general, uh, whether this would apply to a candidate for the House of Representatives or, or the Senate. You see how easy it would be if, if someone were running for uh, Senate in one of the states, say, and, well, the Constitution outlines that in, in Article 1, uh, I think Section 3, that to be a senator, you... The candidate must be 30 years of age, have reached the, attained 30 years of age, and having nine years a citizen of the United States. Well, if somebody wanted to challenge that, uh, that argument could take place in a civil court, in a civil administrative hearing, administrative court, and whichever party was able to prevail would be by simply a preponderance of the evidence, 51%. And by the way, the party, uh, the individual, need not be party to it. They might want to be and present evidence. Uh, the Trump campaign uh, showed up in Colorado, but what were they going to do? All you have to do is, 
he does Trump does not need because it's not a charge against Trump. He was not charged with anything in Colorado. Therefore, a conviction by uh, beyond a reasonable doubt is not necessary. They're not charging him with anything in Colorado. They're just saying, uh, and as part of the evidence, I'm sure that the lawyers that wanted uh, Trump removed from uh, the ballot said, look, on January 6th, he said, we're going to the Capitol and I'm going with you. And we're going to fight like hell. And within an hour, a riot ensued at the Capitol. I think that qualified. I think that mo- many people would be convinced that, yeah, that's he probably did engage in what would be termed an insurrection. Was that an insurrection at the Capitol? I would say that most people would say yes. I know that the Republicans want to say that's just <coughs> political discourse in America today, but that's not true. So, um, well, we'll be back uh, for the last segment of Kitchen Table Progressive and uh, still taking your calls at 773-763-9278. Now I'll get back into uh, a couple more questions about the Constitution uh, when we go back. And then we'll be right back. Okay, Paul Richardson with you here back on Kitchen Table Progressive uh, uh, for a, a Sunday evening, uh, a cold Sunday evening, <laughs> by all accounts, uh, is certainly in the Midwest, um, from what I understand. It's actually cold in Seattle, too. Um, uh, had, had temperatures down in the teens, uh, very unusual, uh, a couple of days ago. But, um, uh, boy, nothing unusual about January in the Midwest being, uh, what is it, you know, towards zero and wind chills. Um, just brutal. I like to, um, I like to look around, you know, uh, on my phone and see what's the coldest in the, in the wintertime, what's the coldest place I can find. And, uh, I looked up, uh, some of my favorite places are to look. One of them is, uh, Yellowknife, Canada. That's the uh, the capital of the Northwest Territories, uh, you know, up in Canada. Yellowknife, Canada is, um, uh, last I checked about an hour ago, was at minus 31 degrees. <laughs> minus 31. Oh, with a windshield of negative 42. Uh, I don't know what they do around there. Uh, everything must be just frozen. Just frozen. Uh, actually, that was the coldest, even colder than North Pole. Alaska, believe it or not, it was colder than North. It's colder than North Pole, Alaska, and Yellowknife, Canada. All right, so uh, let me just finish up here with a a little bit of Constitution 101 because I like to do that, and um, got a little bit of time here. Uh, you know, I was talking to my brother at Christmas time, and I mean, he's a smart guy. He's an engineer. Uh, he's <clears throat> tends to be a little bit. On uh, uh, Republican, uh, and we—I don't know how much of a Trump supporter he still is, but he was. But we were talking about the Constitution, and he said, "Yeah, I—I uh, I tried to read the Constitution," and then he kind of stopped, and I said, "And it just kind of bounced off your eyeballs, huh?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, that's that's true, because um, it's 
in many ways, not very well written. Uh, it's archaic in its grammar and it's, you know, the way it's written. The language is archaic. And it's, it's kind of legal language, uh, although not entirely. And it's, some of its grammar is just not very well written. Um, one of the problems with the Constitution is um, about 40% of it, about 30, 38% of it, is written in passive voice. Uh, what does passive voice mean? Passive voice um, uh, is like there is no subject. The subject is what the sentence pertains to, and the object is what the noun acts upon. So there's no. In other words, it's like this: um, the ball was thrown to Paul, but you see, um, it doesn't say who threw the ball, right? Or um, the ball was thrown to me. Um, an active, uh, active sentence would say, Jim threw the ball to me. So the subject is Jim. Jim threw the ball to Paul. Um, so that, that's an active um, sentence. And, and most of the Constitution are good. Not most of it, but like I said, 38% of it, as I ch- statistically checked it with Microsoft, uh, you know, spell check and all that. Um, is in passive voice, which means people don't understand because it's supposed to be applied that the the subject, the 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 primary subject that the Constitution is referring to is the federal government. The federal government is the subject. It applies to the federal government. That's what the Constitution and all these sentences pertain to, unless it's stated. And then those are not really. Um, so all of these, most of the parts of the Constitution pertain to the federal government, unless it's stated about the, unless it's otherwise noted about whether it pertains to the states, and that's mostly Article Four. But there are parts of other articles that maybe I guess they do, but so the gov- this, the Constitution is about powers. Like I said, I was, it's about power, political power, political power that's derived from the governed, derived from the people. Because we have a right to vote. Um, now, the word power is used 36 times in the Constitution. So is the word vote used 36 times. But the word vote isn't used 36 times as it pertains to we the people, the individuals. It often is applies to voting of, peop- of those members of Congress. They get to vote too. So... Uh, the three basic power or the four fundamental power structures of that the constitution talks about that have and that we have separations of powers so that not all uh not all the branches have you know uh have, have ultimate power or uh are the congress and you can see by the if you look at your constitution you can see it says the legislative power of the United States shall be vested in a Congress. And the Article 2 says the executive power of the United States shall be vested in one president. Article 3 says the judicial power of the United States shall should be vested in a Supreme Court. Uh, the states have power, have their own powers, because the, constant, the union was formed by the states, not the other way around. So the states are supposed, it's supposed to be the states have have these sort of sovereign powers within a union because the states formed the union. The union 
didn't form the states. It wasn't like we had a big hole and then we cut it up into 50 states or however many. We had 13 colonies that came together, unionized as 13 states. So if it's about powers, it's not about rights. Uh, the word right is only used 15 times. It's Even in the Bill of Rights, the 10 amendments of the Bill of Rights, the word right is only used five times. Well, what else is being described? Well, I'll tell you, the, this is my definition. That You won't find this in a textbook, but I, I'm one who likes to like make definitions. So what is a right? A right is the... Uh, a right is the conditional um, discontinuity of governmental power. The conditional discontinuity, a point of conditional discontinuity of government power. A right is a point of conditional discontinuity of, of government power. Or of that means political power. So what does that mean? Uh, a point of... of Conditional discontinuity. Discontinuity means where the government power doesn't apply. You have a right where the, where the governmental power, which is political power, right, which is obtained by the people. There are points where other people's opinions or their political choices don't apply to you. That's your right. So it's a point of conditional discontinuity of government power. So look at, think of a piece of paper. Okay, if if the whole piece of paper is is uh, where the government has power, you take a little sharpie and make points on it. These are places. These are your rights. These are places where the government doesn't have power over you, but it surrounds all around you. It does. It's conditional because it's conditional on on various conditions. Obviously, for instance, if you ever look at the um, Declaration of Independence, it says. The inalienable, uh, men have certain inalienable rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Well, that's kind of a, a high-speaking language, but it's not really true. Do we really have inalienable rights, I mean, of life, liberty? Uh, no, the state can take your life. The state can put you in jail. And if they, if they put you in jail or take your life, that's pretty much the end of your pursuit of happiness, isn't it? Now, uh, we have human rights, supposedly. Um, but... All of these are rights, these are, are, as long as we're law-abiding citizens, points of conditional, uh, their conditional discontinuity of government power. Are our rights given to us by God? No, they are not. It's, it says in the, in the Declaration of Independence, there are certain inalienable rights. We are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, or unalienable rights, as it's in that, I say inalienable. We are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights. Amongst those are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So it's a small set. It's a small set of what are considered God-given rights. And if you look at the first time the word right is used in the Constitution, it's in Article 1, Section 8, it says Congress has the right, or uh, can give you the right, Congress can give you the right, limited right, to a patent on your discoveries. I, I don't have the wording right in front of me. But if you look at Article 1, Section 8, it has to do with Congress regulates patents. You have a limited right to a patent. You don't really have a right to a patent. 
You only have a right to a patent because Congress says so. It's not, in other words, your work is not your work. And I think one of the things they realize is because people discover the same things all the time. So this uh, once and for all, I you know I have this I have this um, discovery uh, that applies to medications, stuff like that. You know, after a while, medications the the patent runs out. They're only allowed, to, and, you, and you can buy it generically. Anybody can make it. Right. That's that's what's meant by that. But the very first place where the word right is mentioned in the Constitution is very kind of funny because it's a right that Congress gives you. It's not a right that God gives you. <laughs> the Bill of Rights, as I said, the Ten Amendments in the Bill of Rights only mention the word right five times. But what else is being described? Look at, our, look at the First Amendment. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting or uh, a, a religion, Right? Congress shall make, in other words, that is uh, a halter on, on government. That is a point of, of conditional discontinuity of government. In other words, that, that's a limit on government. That doesn't, that, that's how the right is being stated, that Congress shall make no law. Where it says the right is the right to, to freely associate, uh, peacefully gather, peacefully assemble, the right of peaceful assembly. That's what's in the First Amendment. But the other ones, the, it doesn't say right to religion, the right to freedom of religion. That doesn't say that. It says Congress shall make no law. So it's, it's very tricky that um, we think it's been, and people tell us that it's all about rights. It's not about rights. It's about powers. And the more you understand that, uh, it's important to understand that because that informs us as to how we, are, we need to vote. If you vote, if you don't vote, you really, you didn't exercise your power. And I know people say, well, my vote doesn't count. Well, what I think about people say that is you just want, you, you want your vote to be the only one that counts. Now, your vote counts. And, and, and we have seen the only people who think that your vote doesn't count are Donald Trump or that your vote shouldn't count is Donald Trump. He thinks that only... <laughs> It doesn't matter whose vote counts as long as he wins. He, he, was, he doesn't want you to have any rights. He wants all of the governmental power, all of the power, that is the political power, to be his. He doesn't want a separation of powers. And by the way, when we hear that we have three co-equal branches of government, that's not necessarily true either. The powers that the three branches of the federal government have are different. They're not equal. They're different. Whether they can be summed up as equal is hard to say. It's kind of like the chess pieces on a chessboard, okay? Um, for instance, uh, a bishop and a knight are both worth three points. Uh, are they equal? No. The, bishop can, the bishops can move on diagonals. Only on, the, on on a one color, one bishop can move on the white, and the other bishop can move on the black diagonals. The knights can move in an L shape. They're both worth three points. Are they co-equal? No, they have different powers, right? They have different powers. Um, so that's an, the the Congress and the presidency, the executive, have different powers. Are they equal powers? No. But as it goes along, each is 
has to exercise their power in in they have a function and that's what has to happen with this situation with Donald Trump or anybody being on the ballot if the supreme court decides that they want to make a decision and and bail Donald Trump out they are doing a huge disservice to our our system of federalism because the states the Constitution mandates that the states manage their own elections. And that means that they can have, they can manage who's on the ballot. And and through civil proceedings, they can manage that. And by the way, I've mentioned this before. Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 2, says that the states shall appoint electors to vote for president. So the states aren't even required to have a ballot for president, the legislature can appoint electors to in any way they want to. They, a state would be well be within its powers to appoint, have a winner of a beauty contest appoint the electors to vote for president. Okay, that's a little bit constitutional wonky this week. Uh, I wanted to get that in. Thanks for joining me. Um, uh, stay, stay warm, and uh, we will be back uh, next week, uh, same time, here on Kitchen Table Progressive at 6 p.m. Uh, directly following the family meeting, which will return live next week uh, here on uh, AM 820 WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk, heartlandsignal.com. We'll see you then.